Welcome to this week's edition of Leading with Confidence. My name is Confidence Sileme and I'm your host. This program is proudly powered by the William Sileme Foundation and the Foundation's mission is Enabling Education in Africa. This week I'd like to talk on a topic I've titled Types of Rewards. To toil without reward or the hope of reward is tantamount to slavery. If there is no compensation of some sort, then the toil that the person goes through will be utterly draining. When we speak of rewards and compensation, the first thing that comes to mind is money. In one of the previous podcasts, we mentioned briefly that various factors contribute to people's motivations for being part of a team or, or an organization. Although money is an important motivator, it isn't always the strongest motivator. There are many different types of rewards and I'd like to, in this podcast, put them into two categories. These are tangible rewards and non-tangible rewards. Tangible rewards are those rewards that one can touch, you know, physically feel, whereas the non-tangible rewards are those that touch people on the inside and they are felt on an emotional level. There can be overlaps in that sometimes one may receive a tangible reward that touches them emotionally, but because the emotion was triggered by the receiving of a tangible item, it is classified as a tangible reward. Human beings are largely moved by emotions. How we feel affects how we behave, and as leaders, it is imperative that we understand how to make an impact on emotional level in order to motivate and encourage our teams. Gone are the days where humans were thought to be just another element in the production chain. When leaders are not sensitive to the emotional states and emotional well-being of those they lead, they become leaders leading without heart. And when you lead without heart, you lose the hearts of those you lead. All people are rewards-driven. What differentiates us is the type and nature of the particular reward. For some, the work is a reward in itself, and whatever extra incentives they receive are just a bonus. The challenge lies in knowing which type of reward is appropriate in a particular instance and which type of reward is most appealing to the people in your team. It's similar to the Five Love Languages model developed by Gary Chapman in his great book, The Five Love Languages. When you know what matters to a person, you will know what to give to them. It's of no use giving chocolate to someone who dislikes chocolate. Chocolate is not necessarily a bad gift. But when you are giving, it's less about the gift and more about the one receiving the gift. Let's look at the five love languages and see how we can apply them in our leadership. As mentioned, identify what appeals most to the people on your team is imperative if you want to reward them appropriately. The five love languages are 1. Words of affirmation 2. Quality time 3. Gifts 4. Acts of service and 5 physical touch. Exploring these in the context of leadership and how leaders relate with their teams can help us use their love languages to create a rewards approach that will be effective in speaking to the hearts of those we lead. Let's tackle the first one which is words of affirmation. For some, words of affirmation and encouragement are vital to their growth, development and general happiness. These words are like water that quench their thirst. And if you as a leader do not affirm or encourage them through your words, then you are robbing them of vital resource. When you praise people for good work, 
Always try to do it on a public platform such as a staff meeting or an email sent to all staff acknowledging the good work that the particular person has done. The rule of thumb is to praise publicly and reprimand privately. There are some rewards such as a bonus that perhaps only a few people will be receiving that warrant privacy or confidentiality. But when praising a team member for work that they've done well, try to make it public. But this serves as a general guide and does not mean that you should only praise your team members on platforms where there are other people present. As a leader, your words carry a lot of weight and you should make it part of your leadership etiquette to call people to your desk or office, to the boardroom or to the kitchen and just thank them and acknowledge them for the good work they've produced. I'm reminded of a message I had Bishop T.D. Jakes share about one of the things he's learned as a father. He said that he'd learned he should never correct or reprimand his children more than he rewards and encourages them. I believe this is applicable to all of us as leaders as well. Don't be that leader that always tells people what they're doing wrong. People want to know what they're doing right. In fact, if you spend more time telling people what they're doing right, you'll inspire them to correct the things that they're doing wrong. A mistake that you should never make is to publicly shame people. If someone on your team has made an error, call them to a private meeting and resolve it there. That type of leadership where people are publicly scolded and embarrassed is modeled by dictators and suppressive leaders who like to rule by fear rather than by inspiration. There are leaders who want to make an example out of people by way of embarrassing them. If a person has done something they shouldn't have and is such that it warrants reprimanding, Doing it publicly and shaming them will do harm not only to their reputation, but to yours as well. The message you will have said is that you lack discretion and compassion. You can't make an example of a person and still be exemplary in your approach. Secondly, it's quality time. For some people on your team, quality time is what matters most. This may be quality time with you as a leader where you Set aside time for them in your schedule to have lunch or breakfast with them. It may be giving them time off so that they can spend quality time with their family. For people who time is of the greatest importance, you should try and make sure that work doesn't take over their lives. If this happens, they may come to resent you as a leader and you eventually end up resenting working at the company. The reason being that it's consuming that which they value the most, that is time. People like this may appreciate rewards such as holiday getaways with the family, dinner vouchers for two, special days off, or flexibility in terms of the time they should arrive or leave work. One of the most important things that leaders, especially in the corporate environment, should learn is that work is seldom the most important thing in the lives of those who lead. Understanding this will allow you to have a broader perspective and you'll be able to lead with a better and much more holistic approach. Work-life balance is a popular concept which seeks to create a balance between the time one spends on their job or career versus the time one is free to spend with family or friends. There are many people who struggle to create this balance and there are many leaders whose leadership style encourages an imbalance. Don't be happy when your people are pulling double shifts or working late four out of five times in a week. Such a situation is symptomatic of an overbearing team or inefficient processes. When people are overburdened in such a way, they will eventually reach a point where the status quo is no longer sustainable and they will burn out. There's an advertising agency I worked at many years ago where 
One of the departments was understaffed and the members of the department were always knocking off late. Eventually, they all resigned. It seemed obvious to everybody except the CEO that they needed more people. They were overwhelmed. A concept that has grown in popularity is work-life integration, which seeks to bring even greater cohesiveness between work and life. Instead of separating them and setting them off against one another, work-life integration seeks to, as the phrase indicates, integrate work and life. It suggests that the two concepts can intermingle and that you can do one whilst doing the other. You can be on holiday and still answer emails. You can fetch your kids from school and bring them to your workplace. As with many theories and systems, there are kinks and dents in the work-life integration philosophy. Some may argue that the lack of separation between the two means that you are not able to give your full attention to either and this may create frustration. If, for example, you are on holiday but you have to send work-related emails, doesn't that defeat the purpose of being on holiday? Whether you subscribe to work-life balance or work-life integration, the objective is still the same in that it is to create greater harmony between family life and work life. Whichever better suits you and your people, that's the one you should adopt. One of the cardinal rules of leadership in organizations is take care of the people and the people will take care of the organization. Close quote. Your job is to create a rewarding climate that is conducive for effective teamwork. Look for ways to make the environment pleasant. Find out what your people are struggling with and provide solutions that make their lives easier. If, for example, there are parents of young children on your team, find ways to accommodate them so that they can have as much time with their children as possible. When you go out of your way to take care of your people, your people will go out of their way to take care of your organization. Next is gifts. For some people on your team, verbal praise is considered to be nice, but a gift that expresses your gratitude is considered to be even nicer. If you want to touch their hearts, you need to give them something they can touch. It's not about the size of the gift or how expensive it is, it's about the gesture. The gift can be as small as a candy bar or perhaps a, a bunch of their favorite flowers. Never underestimate the power of small gifts and the positive impact they can have on a person's mental and emotional state. When was the last time you gave gifts to your team members? Perhaps you have a large team and you are concerned about the financial cost. As mentioned, these do not have to cost much, they just have to be thoughtful. Whatever you spend will come back to you multiplying. It's also important to promote gift giving and a sense of generosity amongst your team. You could implement initiatives where people are encouraged to get each other gifts. One such initiative that comes to mind is Secret Center, which many organizations do around the festive season. Think of other opportunities throughout the year where people can be encouraged to give gifts to one another, but make sure that it remains light-hearted and it isn't done with a begrudging spirit. I remember one lady I worked with who remarked about how she appreciated a photo frame she had received from another colleague. The power in that gift was in the thought that had gone into it. It was a great gift because the lady didn't have any photos in her office and the colleague who had given her the gift had gone as far as putting family photos in the frames. This gift spoke to her heart. A gift is also called a present and one of the things that a thoughtful gift demonstrates is your presence of mind and awareness about the other person's needs or desires. 
an apt gift to tell the other person that you get them. It shows them that you have gained an understanding about who they are and what they like. An app gift has the potential to create a bond of friendship and camaraderie between the receiver and the giver. When, as a leader, you are able to give apt gifts to your team members, you will go a long way in winning them over and building a strong relationship with them. The reward of an app gift is a reward indeed. Fourthly, acts of service. People who speak this love language have a deep appreciation for acts that show your appreciation as opposed to physical gifts that show your appreciation. For example, if it's their birthday, they will appreciate the fact that you threw a party for them more than the gifts that they'll receive at the party. It will mean so much more to them that you went through the effort of arranging decoration, communicating with people to be present there, arranging catering and so forth. The common phrase that people in this category use is, wow, you did all of this for me? Notice that it's about what you did for them. It's about the act of service performed. As a leader, you must have a service-oriented spirit if you are to connect on a deep level with this group of people. If serving comes naturally to you and you love to do things for people, then you will definitely win with them. Do you readily step in when an opportunity to be of service arises? Do people readily come to you when they need help? These are some of the indicators which reveal a service-oriented nature. If you are not naturally inclined in this manner, then you'll have to dig deeper and apply your heart. People within this group are usually great candidates for leadership because people in this category are normally inclined to serve others, and leaders who have the heart to serve are bound to excel. Number five, physical touch. Of the five love languages, this is probably the least applicable when it comes to leading teams, especially in a formal organization. But nonetheless, it has its place. Unless the team you are leading consists of you and your spouse, physical touch should be limited to handshakes, hugs, high fives, fist pumps, and other conservative forms of physical touch. There is an intimacy to physical touch, and lines need to be drawn with respect to what's acceptable and what's not. For some people, even hugging is a no-no, whilst others deem a kiss on the cheek as acceptable. As a leader, you must be sensitive to factors such as the cultural norms of the people on your team and their comfort level so as not to offend them or overstep their mark. A general gesture such as a tap on the back for a job well done is not an intrusive form of physical touch and is more likely to be well received. If there are people on your team that have a if you love me, don't hug me policy, as one speaker put it, then respect those boundaries. Remember, it's about what appeals to them not what appeals to you. When you focus on what will touch their hearts, you will achieve the goal of giving them the right reward. The reward that will speak volumes. The reward that will echo and create meaningful ripples. How do you know who speaks which language? The dilemma may be in identifying who on your team speaks which love language. You do so the same way you identify who speaks any other language. You listen to them. The person who speaks Soto will speak Soto, and the one who speaks French will speak French. If a person's love language is gifts, they will communicate in gifts. They will give other team members gifts at random. If their love language is acts of service, they will be the one who jumps up and steps in whenever the opportunity to serve arises. 
the one who speaks the love language of words will most likely be the talkative one who always likes giving out compliments. As human beings, we tend to give out what we wish to receive. It's also important to make space for trial and error and be willing to adjust your rewards approach. Remember, you are dealing with human beings, not robots. So, if you get it wrong and you err, do not throw in the towel. Try again. You will grow in the knowledge of your team and as you do, you'll have a clear understanding of how to approach the rewarding of those you lead and work with. The greatest reward of leadership is in seeing those that you lead reach a higher level, is in seeing them develop and reach their full potential. It is not in fleeting luxuries and material opulence. It is not in politics of the stomach and power mongering. As you continue on your leadership journey, I trust that you will commit yourself to further studying of this great calling that is leadership. I hope you will seek more knowledge and revelation about what it takes to be a truly great leader. Remember, your purpose and effectiveness as a leader is connected to your service. If you endeavor in your heart to be of service to others, you'll always be an effective leader. Well, we've come to the end of this week's episode of Leading with Confidence. Do tune in again next time. Cheers.